Welcome one, welcome all to the inaugural first episode of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast presented by The Basement Sports Network. I am your host, LJ Cascon. I am greeted and with three absolutely fantastic gentlemen with me tonight. Speaking of gentlemen, he is the General Ariel Atias, the Thunder from Down Under, Crocodile Dundade, George, aka Heat Lifer, and then the dad of the basement, Hot Take Harry. I love all three of you. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Let's start off. We are covering the Heat's first post or preseason game. Postseason, God, won't that be a time? But no, we're here for the first preseason game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Before we get into that, though, we do have some housekeeping we need to get to. The talk of the town, Tyler Hero, Wisconsin's very own, getting the contract extension with the Miami Heat, four years, $130 million, even though it's basically $120 million. His agent did him kind of foul with those that, those $10 million in incentives because he's not winning Defensive Player of the Year or MVP. But just going around the corner real quick, let, let me know your guys' thoughts on that. Was that the right amount for Tyler? Because if they kind of waited any longer into next season, other teams could bid on him. Was it the right move to kind of get it out of the way now? Ariel, let's start with you. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll say this. Like I've been pretty um, vocal about the fact that I think they should wait on extending Tyler until the last possible minute. I would have waited until next offseason if possible, just so that you kind of maintain that trade flexibility through the trade deadline. Um, because once you sign into that extension, now he's ineligible to be traded for a year plus. So, you know, once you, once you sign that, and the deadline was um, right before the, the eve of the season, right? So they had to get the deal done um, if they were going to get it done before games started being played. And if they didn't feel like there was a move to be made, right? Like they, we know that they've been active on the trade market and trying to, you know, kind of swing for the fences over the offseason. It didn't work out. So uh, they probably, you know, um, scoured the leagues, found that there wasn't necessarily a move that they wanted to make that was, you know, good enough to pull the trigger on a Tyler Hero trade. So you extend him. Um, from a business standpoint, I think it's a really good deal. Like it's comparable to the RJ Barrett, uh, contract. I think Tyler Hero is a better player than RJ Barrett. Um, he's not as, as good a defender, but he's substantially better as a creator, as a scorer. Um, and the playmaking is coming along too. Um, so from a deal-making perspective to get him at that, basically that same figure, right? You talked about how the, um, the, uh, incentives on the deal are, are the incentives on the deal are rather, uh, unlikely, right? He's probably not going to hit. Uh, any of those he's not going to probably make all NBA first second or third team unless he has an insane year over the next four years and even then like it just adds a couple million dollars to that year's salary so it doesn't make a massive difference in terms of um, what he's making annually to get him at an average of 30 million per year when he could have gone into free agency next summer and if he has a really good year this year you might be looking at a five-year 170 million max contract for Tyler Hero so all things considered, I think it's a really good deal, and it's really it was smart of the Heat if they knew they weren't going to be moving him, which seems to be the case, uh, to lock him up at that figure at this time. I'm glad that you touched on the financials of it because that was something that really sparked me as well. I see it as right now it's an okay deal, in my opinion. I think with the media and the TV deals with the NBA going up, the cap is going to continue to rise. So I think it can only go better from here. It's going to go from an okay deal in my eyes to potential to be a really, really great deal. And down the line, obviously, they're not going to move him for a long time now. But now they have the flexibility to actually be able to have a number to match if that's what they choose to do. But I, I think they're going to hold on to him for a pretty long time. Uh, George, what, what's your opinion on this whole Tyler Hero extension? Yeah, looking from a, a league comparison point of view, this this contract was really good in my opinion. I think that the extension was, was waving over the heads of a lot of fans and a lot of people in the organization for a long time. 
to just get it out of the way is, is from a from a fan point of view, it does limit us uh, with moves moving forward. But for someone like Tyler Hero, if you think he's not going to get a max offer somewhere else at the end of the season, just say he has a, a killer year, and we signed him at that one hundred thirty million dollar deal today, you know, yesterday, we we'd be looking at a whole different story down the line. We might be paying him an extra thirty, forty, fifty million dollars down the line if you think Sacramento is not going to chuck him the max or something like that. And we're forced to match it, regardless of what year he has. It's um, it's definitely something that we're gonna appreciate now and and live with moving forward. Because that's that's you know that's the team that we support, it's the team we go for. Um, their moves are our moves. We we gotta we gotta deal with it everywhere possible. Um, I'm if I'm looking at Tyler Hero as a player getting that money, hopefully it does it does injustice in the sense that now there's no. Uh, you know, no possibility to be moved in the, in the next year, year and a half. That should give him some some peace of mind. Let him to to control himself on the court in a better way. Um, get off social media, doing all that stuff. Focus on your on your craft, getting better in all, all facets of the game. Um, and yeah, look, it's 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 exciting for him. Exciting for the team moving forward. We have got our young core now, Bam and, and Hero. See what we can build around it in the future. I like how you touched on the the mental part of it with Tyler too, is now this is something he can put behind him because as we saw, he's a young guy. Like let's not act like he's this grown adult. He's still in his really, really early twenties. I don't know if he was even able to drink when they drafted him. Probably not. The thing is it, he, he's a good player and he, but he was mentally kind of weak because we saw what was it? His second year after, after the, uh, the bubble run, him and Duncan both, they were playing kind of shoddy up until that trade deadline. Once that passed, his numbers started to improve because it wasn't something that he was fixated on. I think this getting in the back of his mind, like George said, now not even worrying about it. He's progressively gotten better every single year. So I do think that we're going to be able to get more to that now. We'll be more consistent. Uh, Harry, what are you thinking about the uh, Tyler Hero deal? Do you like it? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a huge issue with it. Um, you know, I'm trying to... I was trying to figure out what, um, you know, what they were going to do this year. Just to clarify a bit, guys, they can move Hero this season, but it's the, um, it's the, kind of the poison pill deal, um, where if you guys remember the RJ Barrett talks with Utah, kind of went awry once they signed RJ to that extension, so they can move Hero. They would basically need to find um, some way to get rid of like Lowry's money on another team, and obviously there's only a couple. Um, there's only a couple of uh, teams that could take in that kind of salary. So like you guys have been saying, it's probably unlikely he gets moved. It is possible. And the money's not too bad. I think they said next year when the deal starts, he's making about 20% of the cap. If you look at his numbers and you look around the league, he's going to put up, he's going to put up regular season numbers like that. I think CJ McCollum just got an extension with similar money. That's kind of the, that's kind of who he plays like, like a scoring guard that can really get a buck whenever you need. And we've just kind of been talking that, you know, here really has to prove it in the postseason. I don't know if the regular season matters so much for him anymore. We know he's the sixth man of the year. Um, he's a guy that can get a bucket whenever he wants. And we just need to see the improvements um, in, the, in the small areas. He needs to become a better ball handler, a better playmaker. And he has to uh, make the postseason leap. He really has looked bad in the last few series in the postseason. We need him to play better. Um, you know, when the calendar turns to April, I'm not too worried about his um, October through March. I agree. And Tyler Hero did get a little shaken up during the preseason game in the second half. Um, but that's why the Heat's calling card has always been depth and insurance. 
And speaking of insurance, a primary sponsor of the Basement Sports Network is Simple Health Advisors, who offers insurance. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated. Email them for a call today and tell them that the basement sent you. You can call them at 321-345-7738. One more time, that's CFIA Insurance Advisors. It's always good to have some insurance in your back pocket when you need it. You never know when disaster might strike. Now, getting back to the topics at hand, as we lightly just touched on the preseason game, um, Bam, I think the biggest takeaway for me, just in that first half alone, was Bam's aggressiveness. He had 11 shots in that first half. I don't know if he had 11 shots in the first half of any game last season. And I know that's kind of indicative of of Jimmy not necessarily playing and the offense kind of having to feed through him because Tyler and Kyle were both kind of giving him the ball, telling him to kind of go with it. And the percentage wasn't amazing or anything like that, but I don't care about that. I want the willingness. That's the main thing for me. And obviously I'm being a little fictitious here, but he could go like 0 for 15. As long as he's taking those shots, I'm still going to have a little bit of a grin on my face. Ariel, where are you at with Bam's aggressiveness in this game so far? Have you liked what you've seen? Yeah, I, I think you made a really good point. Um, early in the game, it looked like, obviously, you know, if Jimmy's not out there. Like, historically, we've seen that in those games, they give, you know, they run more of the offense through Bam. And, I mean, it's the next logical step, right? Like, he's he's proven to be an offensive hub for this team in the past. He functioned that way um, in, in the first year of this build in 2020. So uh, it's not surprising. But, yeah, like you said, it's always about disposition with Bam. Like, you just want to see him look for it. You want to see him um, look to be a scorer and to dominate games because he has that ability. He's not the most refined scorer. He doesn't have a super clean post game with, like, multiple – go-to moves and counters when the defense picks up on what he's doing. But um, his athleticism, his bounce, his effort, um, all of that, you know, gets that gets you to 19 points per game pretty easy. Um, so if he just kind of flips that switch, um, you know, to kind of want to be more of a scorer, then it changes everything for him and for the team. Um, I definitely think he needs to be put in positions to score uh, a little bit more. I feel like a lot of the plays uh, that he's involved in, um, are designed for other people because that's just kind of how the Heat's offense functions in general. But he has the opportunity as a primary decision maker in a lot of those sets to kind of just turn, face the basket, and either go uh, take the mid-range jumper. Like a lot of that, that all of that is there for him kind of whenever he wants. So, yeah, you make a good point. Um, early in that, it, you know, for the most part in that first half, um, in his minutes, like you said, he, I think he had 11 field goal attempts, um, shot 5 of 11, whatever. But, like, he had a nice, um, you know, uh, jab step pull up. Uh, jumper that was deep mid uh, mid range area. He made it. He had a couple of drives to the rim. His general activity around the rim was there. So you see, it's everything everything you want to see from Bam. I'd like to see if uh, in the second half of this game because we are recording this essentially at halftime, uh, just after halftime of this game. So um, I'd like to see if in the second half, you know, he put up a couple threes. He kind of talked about that. I don't want him to force them, but if they come in the flow of the offense, he's got a good form on his jump shot. I don't see any reason why he won't be taking those shots this year. That's a good point about uh, shot selection. George, I want to ask you, what kind of shots are you looking for Bam to take now? I know you're not a huge fan of those baseline jumpers or mid-range, something like that. Well, what are you looking for specifically from Bam as far as shot selection this year? I mean, I'm just looking for him to, to take more uh, shots and fluidity of the game. I'm just not uh, I'm not a fan of him sitting baseline waiting for, you know, plays to cut and him to make to make moves off that. Um, I'm a big fan of selfish basketball in, the, in a good way, in the sense of take your shots, when they come to you. So sitting baseline, waiting, you know, waiting and trying to get to your position is, is, is better than, you know, sc- screen this, screen that, screen this. Takes your eye off the ball too much, in my opinion. Um, getting him the shots that 
he knows he can t- he can he can um he can knock down with consistency is is what we're waiting for. We're waiting for him to really take the game on and take it by the horns as much as possible. I'm I'm really over the fact that he has to sit and and wait, you know, wait for someone to take their shot, try and get an offensive rebound, or try and create a screen to get someone else a bucket. Get selfish in some situations as well. We see a lot of times in the, in the especially in the playoffs that when Jimmy starts to take over and he starts to get tired or 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 he he you know really does need a hand out there. Bam is just too he's too lax in, in his in his efforts to help. So what better practice than 83 games leading up to the playoffs to now really take on a, a higher offensive load, get um get yourself more integrated in the offense because that's just going to help you come come postseason. I think you make a good point there about getting him integrated too because I know he even mentioned last season that he. He's a lot better when he feels it going early because that you know the, that one game against Boston is the one that comes to mind in the Eastern Conference Finals where he just went off, like he got involved early and often. There, I personally want to see him be able to do that even when he's not involved early, like still be able to get involved eventually. Jimmy's done that plenty of times, and I, I know they're very different players, especially with the shots that they hunt for. But still, that's what I want to see more of is just not, you know, you weren't the main guy on the first couple scripted plays down the floor. Still, kind of get involved somehow, whether it be an offensive board or. Fine. Be aggressive when you have a smaller guy on you. A couple times tonight, too, he had smaller guys. He had, I think, Kyle Anderson on him a couple times, and he opted for a face-up jumper. He hit it, which is great, but still, it's like Kyle Anderson is – what's his nickname, like slow-mo or something? That dude's slow as ass. Like, you need to be able to still be able to take him off the dribble. If you can't take a dude whose nickname is slow-mo off the dribble, like, come on, Bam, you can do it. Just continue to do it. Harry, what's your take on that? Yeah, I just – I kind of agree with what everyone said so far. I, um, you know, I think I saw Bam practicing dribble handoffs this offseason and I nearly lost my mind. I just, um, he's good at them. So why are you practicing them? And let's practice the other parts of your game. Um, if the three is real, even the threat of a three would help him a lot. I thought I was a little disappointed yesterday. They asked Bo about maybe, um, you know, top like heat or three point jumpers. And he was kind of like, well, we'll see what happens. I, I have a theory that the Heat have kind of, um, slowed Bam's offensive development a little bit. You know, he came into the league. He was, um, you know, he was behind Whiteside. That was a slow. That that was slow before they put him into the lineup. Now it's you see that he has the offensive game. He can get to the basket. Uh, you referenced the game three against Boston, where he absolutely dominated and took over. I thought he had a very good game seven, even though obviously a lot of the other guys in the Heat did not play well um, against the Celtics and. You just need that aggressiveness to show up all the time. It can't be selective aggressiveness. Um, you have to assume the band's going to have the mismatch against most guys in the league. And he has to start. Uh, it's year six for him. He really needs to um, realize that he has the mismatch and take advantage of it. And when he when the ball swings to him and he's open for the jumper, take it. No thoughts. I don't care if it misses. It doesn't matter to me. Take the shot. Um, you know, Stop with this dribble handoff stuff. I really... I was hoping last year when they made the switch with Max that there that maybe they'd get you know I think his reliance on Duncan and the two of them their two man game was too much, and I just hope they work on that because um, I really think Bam can be a unique uh, offensive threat in this league and he just has to realize those games uh, that he had against the Nets and other guys there um, those don't need to be the uh, the outliers those could be. Uh, off every night games for Bam. And I don't think he needs to be scoring 20 points a game, but he can. And I'm also hoping that Hero in the starting lineup kind of will help Bam because Hero usually looks for Bam when they're in the game. And just getting him some easy buckets of a pick and roll will help his game immensely. 
Yeah, I am glad that you brought up the three-pointers as well, too, because I want to go around the horn real quick, over, under, one and a half threes a game for Bam. What are we feeling? Over and under. Real quick, Arrow. Uh, real quick, attempts or, or makes? Attempts. I'm going to go under, just under. Just under. So one a game, maybe even less, depending on averages. George? Over for sure. Give oh, me over. Okay, I like it. I, I mean, Give that's me over for sure. I hope I'll, I'll mark you down and put an asterisk, especially for for sure, because I, I respect the confidence. Harry, um, I'd love George to be right, but it's definitely going to be under. I my hope is that it's over. If I had to actually put real money on it, then I would have to say under. And our producer Alex might destroy me for that because I know he's all about the bets, and I could make some good money on that if he wound up actually shooting the three. We saw it in practice a good bit and scrimmages, but again, that's not an actual game. We need to see it in the real game to be able to have some kind of say in it. Next up, Tyler Hero. I know he got banged up a little bit in the third quarter. Spo left him in. I don't know why he's even playing in the second half of a preseason game, especially after a scare like that. I don't question Spo often, but Tyler is, you know, pretty important now. (laughs) I don't like him being in there at all. But something that I did see in the first half especially that was improved from last season from Tyler was his his defensive prowess. He got his hands in the passing lane a lot. He disrupted a lot of Minnesota's attempted offense. And not all of them resulted in steals, but they disrupted the offense. And that's a huge thing for me. I'm not expecting, when people say they want to see Tyler's defense improve, I'm not expecting him to face up guard a Tyrese Maxey or a John Morant or something. I just want to see him be involved on defense and not get cooked. And people don't directly go after him. Ariel, what, what is your expectation of Tyler Hero on defense this year? What do you want to see? I want to see him be close to average, like a passable defender, kind of what you alluded to. So um, with Tyler, you know, effort's never been an issue on either end of the court, definitely not on defense. And that's like commendable, right? Like he's not a very good defender. Um, He's got obviously the physical limitations and his defensive awareness hasn't always been great. Um, It's something he's improved at. Like I thought he was a little bit better last year, but as he continues to grow into his body, get a little bit stronger, right? He's added a little bit of muscle it looks like maybe this season as well. And he did that last off season too. And so I'm wondering if like, you know, he's able to stay in front of guys a little bit better. Um, You know, the lateral quickness is not ideal for his position group. So he's always going to have trouble staying in front of uh, the kind of guards that you mentioned, but who isn't, if we're being honest Um, with Tyler in, in this game specifically, I feel like, yeah, you made a good point. Uh, the deflections, the activity was there. He stepped in for a charge early in that first quarter. Um, just kind of the angles that I've seen him take when guarding in one-on-one situations where he's kind of forcing. It's almost like it's very early. Like we're going on a very small sample size here, but it's almost like just based on what I saw in the first half, like he's kind of starting to figure out how to get defend, how, what angle to take defensively in his stats to get defenders to go where he wants them to go. Whereas in prior seasons, like he just kind of, you know, he's straight up in front of the defender and he's trying to guard them, but he's not necessarily uh, shoveling them in any particular direction. And that's something that good defenders do. Um, defense is something that you can absolutely get better at. Like, you know, you can understand the game a little bit better. Tyler Hero's always been, Uh, a hard worker by all accounts, guy who wants to learn and get better. So I don't see why he couldn't become a better defender. And if he continues to add uh, to his physicals, I think he could become at least like an average defender in the NBA. If he does that, the floor for lineups with him 
gets like it just increases substantially because if he's not shooting well now he's added a little bit more of the uh, downhill stuff where he can you know make plays and spray to the corners we saw that a lot last season and if he's not getting killed every single night on the other end he like he becomes serviceable when he's not scoring which is really the main reason he's out there so um i'd like to see him be almost average defensively by league standards um this season I think it's a good point too. Just being able to just be absolute average. If you can do that and not be hunted on a point of attack, then that's that will do wonders for this team. Because especially when they like to have the ball in his hands, he's going to be running it on one end, want him to get back on the other end, and be able to get back in transition and not just get hunted if they run out of transition and then hunt him again. Because I know the Sixers really looked to do that in the playoff series too. And Again, that was last year. I do expect some internal development from Tyler as well, too. And like you said, small sample size. But, George, what, have you liked what you've seen from Tyler so far tonight? There's things I've liked. There's things I don't like. I like Ariel's point of of being, you know, being average. Don't go out of your depth because there was a few minutes ago where he tried to face up uh, Toria Prince and he was on the floor quicker than than anything I've ever seen before. So don't go out of your depth to try and be an above average, great defender. You know, you, you, right now you're not there yet, but on this team, you've got three really, really solid defensive, you know, th- defensive guards on this team. You know, you can learn from players like Kyle Lowry. It brings a lot of experience. Gabe Vincent's improved as a defender. We saw it last year. Take some points from him. Jimmy Butler's out there. If you want to learn how to get better defensively, you've got the tools, you've got the assets. Use them to your advantage. So, Look, like you said, small sample size. We've got a lot to, you know, a lot of people basketball to watch over the, you know, the coming months as well. Um, do I put him, you know, in a conversation a bit to get way better? Yeah, I do. I, I think I think he can get extremely better because you can't get worse than you what you were already. So try try to take the steps necessary to become a better a better defender, a better player overall. Um, gives his team so much more to work with as well. Like like Ariel said raises the floor for the um for the lineups you can put up there. Uh, so the more opportunity he gets on the floor, the only, the, he's only going to get better. So let's just see what he takes up with this season. So let me get this straight. Are you saying that he can make that all-defensive first team? Um, If the odds are good enough, I'll put $10 on that. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, you'd win a lot of money if he actually did it. <laughs> Harry, what about you? What have you seen from Tyler here tonight? We may have lost Harry. In which case then, something that just happened while we're watching, because as Ariel alluded to, we are recording mid-game because we did not think that the starters would play abundantly in the second half. But something that we have seen in the second half that we are kind of happy that the starters are playing for, Bam Adebayo taking and making threes, something we touched on earlier. He is continuing to do that. And I I think that was his first one. George may or may not have... uh, or may or may not be getting a little closer to his bet there of over one and a half a game. If he takes another one, then we're in pretty good standing. Uh, moving on now I to the other white boy. Or actually, Harry's back now. So, Harry, l- l- let me tell you, before we get to the other white boy, what are we thinking right now about Tyler Hero's game so far tonight? Yeah, I mean, aside from the scary uh, knee-to-knee contact, I think he's he's showing that he can be pretty good this year. You guys made good points on defense. I think Hero's all going to be all about – can he be a decent help defender, right? He's never going to be a good one-on-one isolation defender. Um, he's a small guy with short arms, and they're going to take advantage of that. But can he get into the passing lanes? Can he make the right read? Can he make the right play? And I think the frustrating thing for Hero is that, uh, like Ariel was saying, I don't think he's a bad – like I don't think he plays bad defense. He's just a bad defender based on his size. 
and kind of uh, his attributes. So, you know, um, I think average is uh, a bit high, you know, just, um, you know, not being the worst defender on the court, um, not having guys just uh, their eyes light up when they see you one-on-one would be great. And just marginal improvements, I think, would go a long way for him. But the truth is this, if if Tyler's really efficient offensively, and especially uh, in the postseason, you're going to worry less about his defense. You know, if he's giving you if he does, if he if he's scoring 22 in the regular season, he can do that in the postseason. You're not going to worry as much about him on defense if he's really providing that and also becoming a better playmaker, which is I think what they need from him this season and in future seasons with the contract. I think that, like like Ariel alluded to too, it's like if if he can just even be average, that's more than enough because I just want to see him be able to run or contribute to an offense without scoring the basketball. Um, I need to see him do something other than pick and roll with Bam because we know he can do that, but that just being able to contribute on defense, whether that be guarding up somebody, and I wouldn't necessarily want him to do the Torian Prince either. He's a little mismatched body-wise there. Uh, more of food of his weight class, I would I would call it. But moving on to the other white boy, Duncan Robinson, he got on the floor tonight. He, I don't know how they're going to find minutes for him with when you have a Gabe Vincent, when you have a Victor Oladipo, when Caleb Martin is coming on continually. His jump shot looked off. He put the ball on the floor a couple times. It didn't look good. Uh, and on defense, he was Duncan Robinson. So that's all I can say about him. Ariel, do you find do you do you see any rotation, any any mashup of players that Spo puts together where Duncan Robinson would be useful? Yeah, I mean. I'm not going to make any sweeping judgments on Duncan's shot. And I don't think that's what you're doing either, but I'm just saying, I'm not going to make any like definitive judgments. Like this shot is, you know, he has, he's not going to have a better shooting season than than he did last year because he went Oh four or whatever it was in the first half. Like obviously, you know, a lot of these guys need time to kind of work their way into the game. But um, with Duncan, like, I think it's a lot of what we saw last season, unless he comes out shooting the leather off the basketball, um, in a way that you kind of have to play him. Max Strews basically gives you everything that Duncan Robinson gives you uh, for the most part. Plus, you know, you get a little boost in athleticism there and a little bit more with the ball in his hands. Very little bit, not much more, but a little bit more um, with his ability to kind of get downhill off of scrambles from time to time. Um, and he gives you a little bit, you know, he he, he's a, he can function as a lob threat, whereas Duncan Robinson would probably hurt himself if he went up to try to finish a lob. So um, I don't really see a whole lot of, uh, rotation minutes for him unless he's shooting really well or some kind of consolidation trade is made where, you know, the one thing that this team lacks um, outside of Jimmy Butler is like big wings and Duncan Robinson is not a big wing, I would say, but he's close to it, right? He's like six, seven and maybe like two fifteen or whatever. So he's not a big wing, but he's at least an average size wing in today's NBA. Again, defensively, he, he gets killed a lot of the time. And I do think he gets an unfair whistle there sometimes, but um I could see, you know, potential for if Max Struess is having an off night, if Gabe Vincent, you know, is you don't want to go with a really guard heavy lineup against a big wing team. I could see uh, situations where you would use Duncan Robinson. But like I said, at the end of the day, um, he's a specialist in today's NBA. Specialists usually don't, you know, do that well, just because in today's game, like you've got to be able to do more than one thing on the floor. And if Duncan's not hitting his threes, you can't play him. Like you literally cannot play him. The lineup, uh, the lineups plummet. So um, unless he's shooting really well, guys are injured or you just need him for uh, matchup purposes. I don't see a lot of rotation minutes for him. I think it's kind of like last year and he continues to kind of get phased out a little bit, but I will say I'm rooting for him because 
good shooters don't just forget how to shoot. All things considered, he shot like 37% from three last year. He didn't shoot terribly. He just didn't shoot up to the standard that he had kind of established the two years prior. So I do think that it's actually more likely than not that he progresses back to the mean more so than he has another down year. I just don't know if it's enough to really get him uh, a substantial spot in this rotation. This is the part of the show where I say something nice about Duncan Robinson. You are right, Ariel. I do. Shooters don't forget how to shoot. It's like riding a bike. You're going to have your bad days, not like riding a bike, I guess, but you're going to remember eventually how to shoot the basketball. He has a nice jumper. He genuinely has a good, refined, mechanically sound jump shot. But again, like you said, Max Struess provides the same exact things. And when he puts the ball on the floor, there is like, I would call it a 25% chance that Max Struess is going to dunk on somebody. With Duncan, there's a 0% chance. And I don't like those odds, but 25 is greater than zero if we want to get mathematical. So, George, how how does this team do anything with Duncan? Is he salvageable? He w- There's a quote I'll allude to throughout, you know, throughout my segment now is that Spo will give him every opportunity to to become productive again. That's just what it is. Um, I feel like Spo will find a way to try to in- integrate him as well as possible to try and get your money's worth for him at this point in time. Uh, from what I've seen so far in this preseason game, there's been a lot of chasing that he's doing. He's trying to do too much. He's trying to become, um, you know, to, to show that he's a good defender. He's trying to do too much and he's, he's overcommitting. He's doing a lot of uh, um, of stuff that we didn't want him to do in the sense of so stick to what you're good at. You know, concentrate on the shot. I know he's over four. It's not the best look, but it is preseason. We can only take it with a grain of salt um, at this point in time. But I feel that he still can offer a fair bit to this team. His form two years ago was incredible. Well, when we were looking at him playing, um, knocking down threes at a high clip, it's 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 exactly what we want from him. It's why we paid him the money, um, and we need to to really not try not coddle him, but get him back to a point where we, where we can call on him for minutes. But if I'm choosing between him and Max Struess. Max just is overall just a better basketball player in every sense of this in every sense of the word. He really is. He lets the game come to him, unlike Duncan. Duncan tries to force himself too much. Get you know, get some confidence up, uh, you know, under under yourself. Trust yourself, back yourself, but don't don't do too much because it's gonna it's gonna take away from from what you should be doing instead of what you're you know what you're trying to do. I think that's that's probably the only way that he would find any kind of help here. And the Duncan Robinson topic was the last thing we're going to touch on here tonight on our first ever show. I purposely waited for Harry to be able to wrap us up with this one because I know he has some really, really bright, powerful things to say about Duncan Robinson's contract. Harry, do you want to talk to me a little bit about Duncan's contract? Yeah, I guess I can chime in on it. You know, I don't talk about it that much. Um, You know, I just think that, I think what's most frustrating about Duncan is like I was gaslighted for two years that I was a hater and that you don't understand what he does for the team and look at him and his, you know, his frame and he's, he's becoming a better defender and, you know, he's the, he's the next great shooter and it's all garbage. And it's just, it's, to me, it's ridiculous because the heat are so good at developing shooting. You know, they found Duncan off the street. They found Max off the street. Vincent's off the street. They'll find another shoot off the street. You don't need to pay for these guys. And that was that was really what was so frustrating to me is that not only do we pay him, we gave him everything he wanted. He got the richest contract in undrafted free agent history. Um, and he's just not a postseason player. 
I really was a big Duncan fan. The postseason, the bubble, when the Heat played better without him, I'm like, they got to find a way to get rid of him. Of course they didn't. And here we are with this. It's kind of a negative asset at the moment. I know people are saying we got to play Duncan, hope he can get back to 50%, 45% from three. Even if Duncan came out and absolutely lit it up and hit, shot 60% in the first two months of the season, it doesn't change the fact that he cannot be out there in the postseason. The refs hate him. I don't know what he's done to the refs, but they hate him. He gets called for fouls all the time. I feel like they're worried that he's going to have sex with their daughters or something. There is something going on there, but he they, he is hated. So he can't be out there because he's going to get called for fouls. When he is out there and he misses his first shot, then he's thinking about it for the rest of time. And he's he's spoken about it on his podcast before that he's had some confidence issues with his shooting. So if you have a shooter who doesn't have the confidence to make the shot, who's a tall guy who doesn't know how to use his body properly with NBA defense. And he's just not someone you can depend on when it actually matters. I don't know what we're supposed to do with him. Um, he's not going to, he's not going to be a rotation player. He's not going to be good in the postseason. So I hope everyone enjoys the next five months of Duncan. It's the end of the line. Um, I wish him well, we should dump him in a white city where he can play well around his white brethren. So I'm looking at like an Indiana, a Utah, maybe a Phoenix, where, wherever he'd be comfortable, uh, maybe a Boston, even though he would be he would be a real scrub heat killer for Boston, but um, just whatever, get get him off my team, get him out of my life. I don't want to hear about him anymore. I don't wish him uh, poorly. I don't want anything bad to happen to him, but I just get him out of here. I don't want him here anymore, and I don't want to keep talking about him because this is the one thing I've been right about. And I get made fun of for being right about it, and it's frustrating, and we need to get rid of him. So whether it's breaking up his deal or sending him out with a pick or sending him on the next bus to Timbuktu, we need to do that as soon as possible. And I think all of our lives will be better once Duncan is gone. I truly believe that. I think the team will be better as well. I will end with a positive note that every passing day that that contract grows older, it grows shorter, and it becomes more and more enticing for other teams to take it on once it is an expiring deal. So that is the light at the end of the tunnel. And it sucks that that's where we're at with that contract, but that's where we're at. But serendipitous to say the least. Thank you guys for tuning in to the very first inaugural episode of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. We'll catch you in the next one. Take care. Be good people.